Well, all you parents and grandparents, did you have a good uh, spring break? Huh? Some of the parents are saying, hey, we're, we're glad school starts Monday. <laughs> Monus and I got to hang out with our grandkids some, enjoyed that very much. Today, I'm starting a new uh, teaching series called Lost and Found, and for the next few weeks, we're going to look at individuals in the New Testament who were spiritually lost and then found spiritual salvation through relationship with Christ and how it changed their lives and what and ask what lessons you and I can learn from them that can help us uh, because the truth is every human being is either lost or saved you're either spiritually lost or you found spiritual salvation eternal life and a meaningful life in the here and now with Jesus and and I want to begin today by talking about why do people go to heaven or hell? And that's an important question to, to think about, to wrestle with. Why do, why do people go to heaven? Why do people go uh, to hell? Because most people, most people think if you're good, you go to heaven. And if you're bad, you go to hell. And I've got some volunteers I'm asking to come up right now. And we're going to talk about this for a little bit. And uh, then look, uh, look in Scripture and just ask God to teach us. Now, Brother Jimmy over here. This, 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 is, this is the way most people think. Someone dies and we'll talk about he was a good man, she was a good person, right? We, we say those kind of things a lot. And in the media, you'll, you'll hear that. Uh, they're, they're good and, and uh, they're in heaven, they're looking down on us, they're happy, they're, they're free. You know, they, spirit, Christians, we, we use the word saved. And, um, and even, even in church, we, we talk like that a lot, don't we? Uh, the world, people in, in, in our culture really do. And then generally speaking, we think if somebody's really bad, now not just a little bad, but a lot bad, okay, I mean really bad, then uh, when they die, uh, we, we don't talk about them being a good person. I mean we're talking about an Adolf Hitler, a really bad dude, okay. Then they're in hell, and you'll often hear people talking about, I, I hope they, they burn in hell. Um, and and you'll, you'll sometimes, uh, when you read reports or see on television victims of uh, serious crime or their families. Someone was murdered. Someone was raped. And you, and, and you get to speak during sentencing, the victim impact statements. You'll often, you'll sometimes read about some relative or some victim saying, I hope he rots in hell. I hope he burns in hell forever because that's, that's what we think about people who do really bad things and people who are really good. Well, they're going to be in heaven and, and we kind of just leave it at that. For instance, uh, some of you know about Larry Nasser, the, the uh, doctor at Michigan State who was also the uh, team doctor for the, uh, the, you know, the US, USA Gymnastics and was recently convicted for sexual abuse. And, and right now I think it's somewhere around 300 victims have uh, come out and uh, been a lot of controversy about that. And, and uh, one of his victims literally said, I hope he rots in hell. Now, I think most of us say any man who has sexually vict victimized or abused, in whatever form he did it, people, women, um, is a bad guy and deserves hell, wouldn't we? Um, there, there was a 73-year-old woman in New York City. One beautiful September day, uh, she was in Central Park taking photographs of birds. That was her hobby. It was a beautiful day. wasn't at night. And uh, suddenly as she was taking photographs with her camera, 
she was attacked from behind, knocked to the ground, and this man uh, raped her twice, 73 years old. He was arrested, pleaded guilty, and during the uh, sentencing phase when she could speak in court, she called him a, a sexual, I'm, I'm going to read it so I get it right, she called him a sexual terrorist and an evil infestation. Uh, learned that he had a previous history of, of raping and abusing people. And then she said this, listen, for the pain you inflicted on me and by association my loving family and friends, may you rot in hell for all eternity. Now, does does anybody in here not understand why she would feel that way? Hmm? And, and we would say someone who would do that to anyone, but especially a 73-year-old woman, bad guy, deserves hell, right? That's, that's the way we tend to think about it. But now what about good people, people who are kind and generous, people who, uh, who, who help others? Uh, people who do good most of the time. When they die, we, we, he, he was a good man. She was such a good person. I know they're in heaven looking down on us right now, and everything's okay with them. Miles, a little boy, Miles was five months old. When his father was killed in Iraq, he was a, a sergeant in the Army, and he, he, he died in battle. Now you skip ahead. Miles, five months old, now he's, he's eight years old. And he and his mom are going to Cracker Barrel to eat lunch one day, and in the parking lot he sees a $20 bill, and he's all excited, and he picks it up. And while they're in the restaurant eating, he's thinking about what he's going to do with that $20 bill. And he decides, I'm going to buy me a video game. But then in another section of, of, of Cracker Barrel, he sees a soldier in uniform. And Miles says soldiers always remind him of his daddy that he never knew. You know, he's heard stories and seen pictures. So he sees a soldier, always reminds him of his daddy. And Miles got out a little piece of paper. All they had was a little sticky note. And he wrote a note, and he rolled the money up in that note and took it over to the soldier. Let me show you. I've got a picture. That, that's the note that he gave the soldier with uh, the money. And what it says is, Dear soldier, my dad was a soldier. He's in heaven now. I found this $20 in the parking lot when we got here. We like to pay it forward in my family. It's your lucky day. Thank you for your service, Miles Eckert, a gold star kid. Now, isn't that a great kid? Huh? And I hope his dad's in heaven, don't you? I don't know the family. I don't know anything about this, this, this soldier other than he had to, he's got this kid who's got a great heart, and uh, he died in battle serving our country, and we need to honor him. I don't know anything about his spiritual reality, but when his son said, my daddy's in heaven, we would tell kids, that's what we, but isn't that what we always say about anyone who's good, anyone who sacrifices? So just humanly speaking, in our culture, and, and, and even in the church, our natural assumption, you're bad, you're in hell because you're lost. You're good, you're in heaven because you're saved. You're that's just the way we talk. That's the way the world talks. Am, am I wrong or am I right? That's, that's how we approach it. So I need a third volunteer to come up here. And you'll only be up here a minute, so come on up, somebody. If not, I'm going to draft somebody. All right? Come on, Christopher. 
Thank you, my brother. Now, um, here's a question. If this is true, here's my question. Where do we draw the line between these two points in determining who's good and who's bad and who's in heaven and who's in hell? Here's Christopher. He's the typical human being. Do we draw the line right in the middle? You're good 50% of the time and you're bad 50% of the time. Or if you weigh the impact and consequences of what you do and how you live, half of it is a positive impact, half of it is a negative. Is that where we draw the line? Well, what do we do if it's 50%? So shift over this. this is, that, is that good? Or shift over this way. He's now 55% good. So he's, he's a little over half. He gets in. Shift on over here more. Now, now, now he's 80% good. Is that, is that where we draw that? If you're 80% good, you get in, um, but 20% bad, you, you, that's, that's okay because you've got 80% good and it offsets the bad. Or Come right on over here. Now, now he's 90% good. Come over and bump shoulders. He's 99.9% he's good. Where do we draw the line? Well, let's shift this way. He's not, he's, 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 he's 60% bad. And have you noticed at funerals, we make everybody sound better than they really were? Hmm? Get over here a little closer to the devil. I'm sorry, Keith. <laughs> now he's 70% bad. And you just keep shifting. And so I can, I can play with him. And the question is, where do you draw the line? Because if the way people, you know, we determine people go to heaven or people go to hell is by goodness and badness, where's the break-even point? Because if that's the approach, if that's the truth, if that's reality, then we have to know where that point is, right? So where's that point? The problem with this approach to eternity with heaven and hell, the problem with it is it's completely subjective. It's completely opinion. It's completely emotional. Another problem is it's inconsistent because some might think here's the right spot and others might think here's the right spot and still others might think here's the right So it's inconsistent. Subjective, inconsistent. Um, and we would never accept this approach in other important areas of life. How many of you women would say, hey, it's okay. Out of the 365 days in a year, my husband only cheats on me one of those days. The other 364 days, he's faithful. But every year, each and every year, there's one day, there's one day, just one, 364, he's a great husband, faithful. But one day, each and every year of our marriage, he cheats on me. How many of you would ever accept that? How many of you working with a financial advisor would say, you know, I like him, I like her. She only steals my money once in a while. Most of the time she does a good job for me with my investments. How many of you would ever accept that? 
How many of you would ever accept now? Yeah, I know he likes to drink. She likes to drink, and they go out and eat, and they drink while they're eating. But, you know, he doesn't drive drunk every time he goes out, just once in a while. We would never, we would never think like that, would we? But when it comes to eternity, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to heaven and hell, that's exactly how we think. And it just doesn't work. Thank you, Christopher. Now let you guys stay up for just a second. What would you, what would you think if I told you Jesus said something? If I told you that Jesus told a story that turned this way of thinking upside down, that, that Jesus said the thinking that a, a good man or a good woman is automatically in heaven and a bad man and a bad woman automatically in hell. If Jesus said something, if Jesus told a story that just flipped that and said, whoa, 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 no, it doesn't work that way. If he absolutely turned that upside down, Because that's exactly what Jesus did. In Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verses 9 and following, Jesus told a parable. And he was directing the parable toward people who, notice what it says, trusted in themselves and despised others. They thought they were good. They were okay. And everything was okay because they were good people. And in this parable, Jesus said there were two men who went to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee, a very religious guy. Now, I know those of you who have been in church all your life think of the Pharisee as a bad guy. The Pharisee was a good guy. You'll see that in a minute. He was a really good guy. Actually lived more righteously than many of us, outwardly. The tax collector was a scoundrel. He was the bad guy. And then Jesus, these two men are praying, and so the, the Pharisee, the good man stands there and he prays, to himself. Let's go to the next slide, verse 11. And he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. In other words, I, I, I live more righteously than they do. And I'm not like that, this, this tax collector over there even. I'm, I'm better than that. Notice, he said, I, I'm not a swindler. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I, I, I don't do any of that stuff. I fast. I give 10% of everything I earn. Uh, I tithe, I fast. Two, two days a week he fasts. Some of us have never fasted in our lives. He's standing in front of him. Now the other guy, the bad guy comes in. Let's go to the next slide. The tax collector wouldn't even look up toward heaven. He felt so, so bad. He felt so dirty, so rotten, so ashamed. Wouldn't even look up. Bad guy. And all he prayed was, notice, God... Be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's how Jesus concluded it in the next verse. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you something, and this will surprise you. He said, it's this guy that went home justified, okay with God, and ready for heaven. Not this guy. And Jesus said, the way you normally think about this is backwards, is wrong, is incomplete, is inaccurate. 
Thank you, guys. Now, we're going to flip. Because you know what happened? The good man refused to do this. The bad man, hold this one up here. He repented. God be merciful to me. This man saw himself as he really was. This man did not. Outwardly, this man had everything together. But on the inside, he wasn't together. This man saw no need for God. He, he earned it. He was self-righteous, trusted in himself. He was good enough. He didn't need Jesus. He didn't need the cross. He didn't need repentance. He didn't need forgiveness. And so he next out, he didn't repent. And hell was in his future. But this guy, he knew he was rotten to the core. And he repented. Jesus in Luke's gospel in chapter 13 said, I, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, Jesus said, everybody, every human being, each and every one of us has to repent or we will perish, go to hell, not go to heaven. So I want to take a little closer look at that and uh, help us a little bit. Would you say thank you to my volunteers? Appreciate it, guys. Now, let's, let's take a little closer look and start with the good man. The good man who was really lost went to hell when he died. Notice it said in verses 11 and 12, notice, notice how he described himself, that he's not like other, others, that he, he was not a swindler. He didn't cheat people out of money. He was honest in his business dealings. He was honest in his financial interactions. He, uh, he was not unjust. He didn't treat people the wrong way. Publicly, outwardly, he would do the right thing in his relationships. He, he was not an adulterer. He was faithful to his, to his wife and to his family. Um, and religious? Not just morally good, but religious he belonged to the strictest sect of Judaism. Religiously, he fasted two days every week. I, I know people in our church who have a habit of a practice of fasting one day a week. He did that two days every week. <clears throat> he tithed. He was religious. He was moral. He studied the Old Testament. See, those of you who've been in church all your life, you, you, you have to get out of your mind the realization that Jesus condemned the Pharisees before you can really see how good a Pharisee really was. A moral, upright individual who was very religious. They're the kind of person that historically we would make a deacon in a Baptist church. But you, you get a glimpse of what his problem was when it was he trusted himself. He knew he was good. He knew he was religious. He knew he lived a better life than, than the, the really bad people. And he thought because of that everything was okay. And when it says he despised others, it was because, hey, I am so 
deal for I'm not like you know I'm not like those people in Hollywood I'm not like those people up in Washington I'm not like those people of that other political group or whatever I'm not like them I'm better and because of that I really don't need Jesus yeah you know I'm religious but hey I'm doing good Outwardly, 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 he was very good. But inwardly, that's where his problem was. And so Jesus says you have to repent. And the thing is, God sees the heart. And this man trusted himself more than he trusted God, trusted Jesus do you really own for yourself? Do you really understand that the Bible in Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? And when that little word A-L-L is included in that verse, it's speaking directly to you and me. That in the eyes of God, you are a sinner. Not good. A sinner. We, we struggle with that. Because we know how good we are. Because we can always find somebody who's worse than us. God says all of us, all, each and every one. How how many sins do you have to commit? How how, how far along this continuum? How, how, How many sins do you have to commit before you become a sinner? How many crimes do you have to commit before you're a criminal? God in the through the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 64, 6. Look, look at this. Let's go to the next slide, guys. Here you go. Look at this. He said, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are what? Now, if if this morning on the way to church, I had uh, been drinking some coffee and spilled it all over this 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 uh, this this shirt this this turtleneck whatever this is called. Okay, if I had done that and I'm standing up here and there's this big stain right down the middle, what would you think? Would it look good? How, how do you feel when you get that first ding in your new car? That first stain on your new carpet. That first gray hair on your head. (laughs) Oh, now I'm getting too personal, I know. (laughs) It just takes one stain to ruin a garment, correct? That's what it means. Yes, we do good things. There are many people, including people who don't believe in Jesus, that do many good things things but in the midst of all of the good things that each and every one of us do there are also those bad things those wrong things those stains and God says we're all sinners and that's why being good doesn't get you to heaven because where do you draw the line where do you draw now, what about the bad man? The tax collector? 
we know how the story ends, so we don't think of him as being as bad as he really was. Well, let's let's back up. Let's let's think about him before he went to the temple to pray. Tax collectors were hated. They were despised. They were considered scum because they collected taxes from their people for the Romans who had conquered their home country. And they could gather as much as they wanted and anything extra they got to keep. So they were rich on the backs of people. Swindlers taking advantage, stealing, cheating. Religious people wanted nothing to do with them. In fact, if a religious person in their day hung out with them, that religious person was considered (laughs) dirty. This is is not the kind of guy that you hoped your daughter would bring home. This guy would be. Not that guy. And yet he goes to the temple to pray and 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 in, I think it's verse thirteen in Luke. What and what what does he say? He wouldn't even look up. He he felt so guilty and so ashamed. He just he he, he just kept his head down. He wouldn't even look up. God be merciful to me. He said the sinner, not a sinner. And I looked it up in the Greek of the New Testament, and it literally is the sinner. In other words, he was saying that he felt as though he was the worst sinner on the planet. Not a sinner, the sinner. He saw himself as he really was. But you know, he must have also seen himself a little bit through the eyes of God, not only as a sinner, but someone that God loved. Why else would he cry out for mercy? He must have believed God would have mercy. And so he prayed, God, be merciful to me. The real difference between these two is one called out to Jesus and the other one didn't. One saw his need for forgiveness and the other one didn't. It's not the good and the bad because we're all, uh, listen, I me, me, you, each and every one of us, we are somewhere on this continuum, are we not? May not be way over here. May not be all the way over here. But every person in this room and everybody watching by live stream and everybody watching on television, each and every one of us, we're somewhere on this continuum. Which means each and every one of us has some good in us and also sin in us. And the ones who go to heaven are not the one who tilt this direction instead of tilting that direction, but it's the ones who see the fact that there's sin in their life and they cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness and they repent of their sin. Notice Jesus' response in verse 14. It's this man. Not the good, not the bad. 
but the one who cried out for mercy, who saw himself as a sinner in need of forgiveness and repented. He said it's this man that went home justified, meaning that he was okay with God. He was going to go to heaven when he died. He was forgiven. And that's the need that each and every one of us have, is to cry out to God. It's not to go, it's not to be religious. It's not to do better. Although when you follow Jesus, yes, you are part of a family of faith, a fellowship, a church. There's reasons for that. And yes, when you follow Jesus, you do good and you serve people and you love people and you fight injustice and you help people and you do what's right because that's what we're supposed to do. But going to heaven is not because we tilt this direction and going to hell is not because we tilt this direction. It's do we cry out for mercy? Do we see ourselves as someone on this continuum with good and bad in us, with righteousness and sin in us, but because sin is in us, we are stained and need to be cleaned up? We are guilty and need forgiveness. And it's the one who can see that and accept that and own that and say, God, have mercy on me. Jesus, forgive me and save me and change me. That then is worthy of heaven. Charlotte grew up in a uh, family that was well-respected. They were well-to-do religious they were good they uh, they fought injustice they they made a positive impact on their community they were really faithful good people she grew up in that kind of home kind of like Gary was talking about a moment ago but uh, Charlotte also had problems she had some severe physical challenges that caused her to spend most of her life experiencing pain and fatigue. In many days, she couldn't even get out of bed. She was frail, never married, and over time became angry and bitter and um, didn't really have any faith in God. And She um, did not want to discuss religion and Jesus, she, she, she just hated that topic, that conversation, and she was increasingly growing bitter. Didn't go to church, etc. One evening, her family had a guest over to the house for dinner. He was a preacher a year or two older than Charlotte, visiting their city. And during dinner conversation, the subject naturally turned to religion and faith and Jesus and salvation and and uh, so on, and, and he looked at Charlotte one, at one point and asked if, he asked her if she knew for certain she, she was a Christian. Well, that set her off. She told him it wasn't a subject she wanted to talk about, and, uh, and she was pretty, pretty rude to him. And he said to her, well, I, I, won't, I won't push it, but I want you to know I am, I am going to be praying for you to accept Christ as your personal Savior and for you to use your talents to serve him. Later that evening, Charlotte came to this, this preacher and she apologized for how rude she had been. And she said, she said to him, um, I'm miserable. 
I'm miserable. I want to be saved and I want to come to Jesus, but I don't know how. And one of the things he said to her is, is you have to come just as you are, a sinner. Come to the Lamb. Come, come to Jesus who takes away sin. And for some reason, those words, just as you are, come just, just as you are, resonated with her, and she, 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 she thought about that. And, and that very evening, that very evening, Charlotte gave her heart to Jesus. Somehow God used those words to break through. And every year after that, on that particular day, on that date, she would celebrate her spiritual birthday as the day she came to Jesus. Fourteen years after that, that evening, 14 years later, she had a talent for writing. She wrote a poem that became a hymn. The churches sing a lot. Just as I am, without one plea, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. Who goes to heaven? Those who are good? Who goes to hell? Those who are bad? The truth is, all of us have some of both in us. Who goes to heaven? Those who say, just as I am, a human being with sin and good in me, but a sinner nonetheless, just as I am, just as I am, I come to you. I come to you, Lamb of God. I come to you, Jesus Christ. I come to you, Savior of the world. I come to you with my sin and my brokenness and my pride. Just the way I'm, I come to you in, in repentance. I, I come to you asking forgiveness. I come to you for mercy. And every person who does that finds it. That man, that woman is the one who goes to heaven. That man, that woman. And here's the question. Are you that man? Are you that woman? Have you accepted who you really are, a sinner, somewhere on this continuum, but no matter where, a sinner in need of mercy, in need of salvation, in need of forgiveness? And so you've come to Christ asking for forgiveness. Have you done that? And if you haven't done that, will you do it right now? There's no reason not to. Today is the day of salvation. This is the moment. This is the time. So I'm going to ask everyone in the room to stand with me right now. Team's going to come and lead us in singing this hymn, Just As I Am, Without One Plea, O Lamb of God, I Come to Thee. And as pastors stand here at the front, I'm asking you on the very first word, on the very first word of this song, to quickly take your first step. And I promise, if you take the first step, the second, third, and fourth will come easily. Take the first step and come to one of our pastors and say today, I'm asking Jesus for mercy. I'm coming to Him for salvation. Others can come and pray and make other decisions, but especially those of you who've never come to Jesus, come to Him right now as we sing.